Welcome to the Renew the Arts podcast, where we discuss the role of art and creativity in the church and in the world. I'm your host, Michael Minkoff. Our mission at Renew the Arts is to liberate Christian creativity, and in the last four years we've given away more than $250,000 in sponsorship value for projects by Christians who are dedicated to their craft and to their faith. If you'd like to contribute to this sponsorship fund and this podcast, please join our patron community today. It's really easy, and it starts at a dollar a month. Go to patreon.com forward slash renew the arts to learn more. Where does the inspiration for change come from, and how could art transform our approaches to life? In this episode, Cynthia Giles introduces us to another amazing human being, Alexia Jones. She's the founder of Rise Theater, where she facilitates artistic expressions for people pursuing recovery. Alexia teaches people how to sing, dance, and paint their way through their darkest hours. She shows them the power of being seen and heard through community-based artistic creation. This episode is Art and Recovery with Cynthia Giles and Alexia Jones. All right, I'm sitting here in front of my laptop on Zoom, which... Lord, hasten the day that this doesn't have to be how we meet any longer. But uh, I'm sitting here on Zoom with Cynthia Giles and Alexia Jones. And this is another great individual that Cynthia has generously uh, connected um, me to. And so, Cynthia, I want to hand it over and have you introduce uh, Alexia, uh, like introduce me to Alexia and Alexia to me, and of course to our podcast listeners, and we'll jump right into the conversation that you have ready for us. Of course, of course. Well, one, I'm so grateful, Alexia, that you're joining us today. And I know that you're going to have some different things that you're going to share that it's really going to bring hope to people of all ages. And so Alexia, she has, she's the founder of an organization called the Rise Theater. And they actually, what they do is they collaborate through artistic expressions for people who are going through recovery. So whether that's Mm. recovery of substance abuse or whether that's recovery of mental health challenges, what Alexia does in her organization is she allows people to have the space and the presence to actually heal from what could be holding them back. And it's so true that so many artists struggle with many mental health challenges. And so what I believe Alexia is doing is she's giving them a space to really uncover their art in a way that it's not performance-based, it's not about performance mentality, it's just about being free. Um, Their tagline is art plus recovery equals freedom. And hopefully I got that right, Alexia. If not, let me know in a second. (laughs) Yes, you do. Um, But Justice is, Alexia, I know you don't know Justice yet. And so Justice has an organization similar to you in the idea of collaborating with artists and collaborating with creatives. And so he's all about bringing creatives together um, in gatherings and events to really grow spiritually, to grow artistically and professionally. And so I couldn't think of a better duo, a dynamic duo to bring together. And so Alexia, why don't you and Justice, uh, let's get this started. I'm excited to have you back on. Me too. 
Yeah, I'm stoked. Thanks so much for being on the podcast, Alexia. Uh, for just a minute, right before we started recording, you were talking about how needed this conversation is. I honestly just want to jump back to that. Like, why don't you continue that thought? Like, why do you feel like this conversation that we're going to have, uh, what about it is needed? Like, what's, what is the conversation and why is it so needed right now? You know, right now in the climate that we're in, we're going to see more and more people come to the realization that they need more to maintain their mental health and their mental wellness. I'm a person in long-term recovery, and what that means for me is for the last 24 years, I've had not a need or desire to use any mind-altering substances. It also means that for the last 24 years, I have been living freely from anxiety disorder. And so because of the climate that we're in, many people are finding that they're living with depression or anxiety, um, maybe drinking more, sleeping less. Um, these kinds of challenges come up for us when we go through very stress stressful times. And so this conversation is needed because I believe that art and healing, to, art brings healing because it mm. goes into a deeper depth of who we are. The mm. bottom line, whether it's uh, mental health or substance abuse or any, anything that you may be recovering from, the bottom line is, and the common denominator across the board, is that we're all dealing with trauma. We're all dealing with some sort of trauma. So the idea is to share with the community the options, the opportunities to maintain their wellness uh, from this new, fresh perspective. At RISE, we always say that we have found this new paradigm, right, where we can sing through our darkest hour, mm. dance through our, and celebrate our recovery, and we take up our paintbrushes and we paint away the hurt, the pain, the guilt, the shame, and we paint our stories with every color of the rainbow. Mm. And we've come to realize that we're not on the fringes of the community. We are the community. Yes. We are artists, we are doctors, we are counselors, we are teachers, we are mothers, fathers, grandmothers. We are the community. So I think this conversation that we're going to have today is real important to affirm and confirm what I think a lot of people are already thinking and doing. Mm. Mm. That's so powerful. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I just, I, I am so grateful to be having this conversation with you all. Because to see your generation diving into this and finding it necessary to even have this conversation with young people like yourself, having these kinds of conversations is phenomenal. It's a God thing. Because when I was your age, you know, we weren't thinking about maintaining our wellness through the arts. We were performing, hmm. which means we were putting on a mask and presenting something that was outside of ourselves. Mm. And the way we approach art is from an authentic place. So we don't even call it a stage. We call it a platform. We don't call it performance. We call it presenting our authentic selves. And everything that we share is to lift up the voice of recovery and hope. That's the most important thing as opposed to presenting a piece that's supposed to be uh, judged or 
critiqued. Mm. There's just an expression because we understand that there's a part of the brain that has no words. Mm. There's, there's a screen within us that has no sound. So it may come out in color. It may come out in a poem. It may come out as a song. The idea is the more we do it, the more we'll understand the language. Mm. So sometimes as we come together and we gather, we may ask someone, you know, how was your day? And there may not be a word. So it would be, the question would then be, what does it sound like? What does it look like? What does it feel like? And then the, a song will come forth. Mm. And everybody understands the melody. Everybody understands the sound. Mm. So that's how we're hoping to further connect with our community as we continue to share our authentic pieces of art. Mm. And, you know, I think with trauma, so often when people go through trauma, which is often the root of addiction and of substance abuse, I think sometimes they lack the language and the voice to actually come free in expressing what they went through. And so I've actually attended um, a few of your things in the past, I think one of my friends connected me to you and you even put on a production called Chronicles of Hope. And when you put on that production, what's interesting is I'm used to participating in productions um, in theater and different places. And there is that performance mentality, but I think it's an interesting and intriguing thing that you do that you can somehow create a production, but in that not make people feel like they have to produce, which is ironic to me. There's an, there's, a, there's an irony to the idea that you're in a production, but you're not asking people to produce. You're asking people to just be present. Um, exactly. I agree with you when you said the climate that we're in, people are definitely suffering from different mental health challenges and different things that are happening. And I think you're providing that platform for people to get the hope they desperately need. And so my question for you is with all of the tension and with all of the crisis happening, what is the best way for artists to cope? What do you think is the source of the solution for coping with the different challenges that we often face, whether that's substance abuse or mental health, how can artists particularly uh, cope with that? Because you know that artists have particular specific challenges that can sometimes be unique to other people just because mm -hmm. we sense things deeply, we mm -hmm. feel things deeply, and we have a different experience. And so I'd love for you to just shed light on that for us for a minute. Well, you know, one thing about recovery is you have to have a support network. You know, no man is an island. And so artists have to find a collective place where collaboration is, is the name of the game. So when you're coming together and you have a safe place to express, let out, release uh, in a, in a, within a group of artists like yourself, someone is going to be able to interpret it. Someone will be able to hold up your arms in the midst of the war. Someone will be able to, to, to hear it and, and, and feel it and provide you with the support and the empathy that you need. Because as artists, we understand one another. So that's the first thing. You don't want to isolate. You want to make sure that you have a group of people that are like-minded that can hear your song. 
I have mm. friends that I can say, you know, look what I made, this picture. Wow, Alexia, what is that about? And then we begin to have this conversation. Now, oh, that's pretty. That's not the conversation I need to have. I need mm. someone to be able to help me reflect and dig deeper into what my soul is saying back to them. Mm. And then from there, as, as, as artists, we are able to come up with a solution-focused plan to help us get through this, you know? And we all know what we need on the inside, but we just have to be able to have a space and a place to get all the marbles out on the table, all the pieces of the puzzle out on the table so that we can put it together. Wow. That's, that's, that's the first thing. And the second thing is having more than one modality of creativity. Mm. Initially, I was a dancer, 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 dancer. And when I connected with other people in my collaborative space, then there were people who were artists. And I started painting and I started writing poetry. And, you know, I have one or two poems, but they're mine. Yeah. And so I have this palette of modalities that I could go to. And so I, I may not want to dance. I may just want to color. I have, I have all kinds of paper and, and, and palettes that I can go to for different expression. Mm. So in addition to having that, that collective group of support, you need to have a palette that stretches you, even your artistic ability. Wow, wow. It's about the process. It really is about the process. It's about mm. the process. When I paint, the painting process is different from the dancing process. The dancing process is different from the writing process. Mm. And everything in life, I feel, is connected to a process. So mm. it all depends on what I'm going through. It's always a process to get me to. God always takes us to another place and another mm. dimension in our life. And it's always a process. It's step by step, line by line, precept by precept. And so there are different processes that we may have to put our hands to to get to this new place in life. That makes sense. It does. And one thing I want to highlight that you just shared that really stood out to me is that now I see why you do what you do, because when the artists come um, in Atlanta, I know you have a space that they're meeting and gathering, and you also do through Zoom right now because of quarantine. But when they meet, it seems like you're more interested in the process than the outcome, which Correct. is the opposite of what most creatives go through when we create. We're more concerned about the outcome usually than we are the process that gets us there. And I believe what you're saying is that there's this freedom that comes when you take the joys, the highs, the lows from just the process of creating and let that place heal you. Let that place of process bring you the freedom that you desperately need. And so I just love that even in comparison to what we go through as artists every day, the processes that we go through to overcome the different mental health challenges that we may be facing. I think that 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 concept could really bring freedom to people who aren't even Christians who may be in the entertainment industry and they're used to that competition. Because I think two right. things that um, you and Justice both believe in is collaboration. You both believe in collaboration and the power that comes 
from actually taking gifts, taking skill sets and combining them together versus competing and tearing one another apart. And I think one of the key factors that you both carry is that key of collaboration. But Mm. in that, if you can do that in a place of process and in a place of just seeking purity and freedom, I believe that can really make a statement in the world that we live in, because that's not what Mm -hmm. I see. When I I, I do things in the secular world, but I also do things in the Christian world. I do things in the church artistically all the time. Mm-hmm. And to somehow not have that divide there and say, you know what? It's not about performing. It's just about being present uh, right where you're at and accepting yourself as you are while also being inspired to reach towards what you can become. I believe that can really inspire others. So that's powerful, Alexia. Thank you for sharing Thank that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really love the the vision that you're casting for uh, like the first point that you made about um, creating as a community, uh, cre- you know, getting together to 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 work out your creativity. And it, I had a long conversation just this morning with uh, our co-founder, Michael Minkoff, about the direction of Renew the Arts and and trying to figure out um, how best to serve everyone in our community. And one of the things that we're realizing is that that is so essential is the idea of creating as a community because it really doesn't exist right now. As an artist, right. it's so common to create in isolation and then even to release your art in isolation. And then mm-hmm. if anyone listens to your songs or watch watches your film or whatever it is, they consume it in isolation. They're watching it on Netflix, you know, in their in their own home or in their bed or, you know, they're they're listening to your music just so there's this everything is detached. The whole process is entirely detached from one, one another so that the artist who's creating and then the person who is appreciating their art have nothing to do with one another except for just the product. And uh, that is not how art Typically, for a long time in humanity, up until, honestly, just so recently with the advent of the internet, that's not how we consume art. Right. Um, you know, if, if there's a painting commissioned, you know, it's done in a public space where the, the patron who commissions the painting has a vested interest in seeing a part of the, the city beautified. The, the artist uh, has a vision that he wants to communicate to the people and and then it's done in a public place so that the people engage in it and it's all done very locally right even theater you know film and theater is so different in that there's real people in a place and you get actual human interaction even if it's laughs or applause or what you know uh-huh. these different things or talking to you know the actors after the show it is a human interaction uh-huh. art is a human interaction but it has really been pulled away from that Right. And so I think that you're really just hitting the nail on the head because um, we hear it all the time from artists, which, you know, this idea that I create alone and then I put it online and it's just like throwing it into a black hole, just throwing (laughs) it out into the void. Yeah. And uh, and that's that is lonely. Um, and then honestly, on the other end of things, consuming things like listening to songs and watching Netflix or watching movies or whatever in a vacuum truly does detract from the amount of an 
of, of value that you could have in an artistic experience, right? Like, right. I remember how satisfying it is to go to an excellent uh, play, you know? It, it is deeply satisfying, far more than streaming a few episodes of some show and then going to bed. Mm -hmm. Like, there's, that's so, it barely even, it doesn't even really scratch the itch. It's, it just fills the time. Um, so, yeah, I think what you're saying, man, I resonate with so deeply. And I think a lot of people are starting to realize that need to be artistic and creative in the context of real human interaction, real human community. And you know what? That makes me think I have a question for you, Alexia, because it's one thing to create that human interaction and it be superficial, but it's another thing to create that human interaction and it be so vulnerable that people are able to really share the truest expression, the highest expression of who they are with one another. Mm -hmm. And I believe that when I visited your, um, your organization and, and you were facilitating those creative workshops, you were able to allow people to really not only interact, but do so in a way where they were vulnerable enough to share who they were with one another. And so my question for you would be, how do you cultivate that vulnerability so that when we do interact with one another as creatives, we're doing it from a place of not having a mask, not um, hiding who we are, but feeling free enough to express the fullness of who we are? How do we cultivate that vulnerability? How do you do that? Because you did it really well. People were able to cry with one another. People were able to have genuine conversations. That's what I saw. And I was empowered by it. And so I'm just mm. curious of how you how do you do that? How do you do that? Well, you know, first of all, it's about creating a space that's safe. And so I believe that I have to, as a leader, be willing to be vulnerable first. And my vulnerability in leading people into a place of vulnerability helps others feel, oh, she's doing it. I can do it. That's the first thing. The second thing is really listening to where people are and going beyond the words and giving them an opportunity to have that platform from which they can raise their voice. The third thing is asking the right question. You know, what's working? What's keeping you hopeful? What could be better? And tell me where you want to go. Mm. And so that's the process right there. Mm. And giving people an opportunity to be in their own skin and not giving them what to do, how to do it, read my script, read my words, but I want to hear what you have to say. And then be able to regurgitate that and give it back to them. Mm so that people see, know that you see them and that you hear them. Hmm. So it's not about giving the feedback, oh, that's a great picture. But why would you pick red as opposed to purple? What's that about? Hmm. And how does it feel when you paint with purple as opposed to yellow? What's that about? And how is this keeping you hopeful? And what's really working for you right now? And what could be better? Not what's wrong, but what could be better? And then 
you go with what could be better for them, not what could be better for me. And when you get in there and you start double dutching with that person and you start putting your hands to what they want to put their hands to and you go to SeaWorld with them, eventually they'll go to Disneyland with you. Eventually they'll go to Disneyland with you. And so the idea is to share. The idea is to be genuinely curious. And the idea is to learn as you collaborate. Mm -hmm. So if we are engaging in, in an artistic endeavor, it's not about me trying to teach you how to be a better artist, but it's about me learning about who you are. And when we're genuinely curious about other people, it brings out the best in them because mm -hmm. all we ever want to be is heard and seen and not seen from a superficial place. But do you really see me? And that's it. And once people know that they are heard and you absolutely see them, then people are feeling comfortable enough to be vulnerable. Wow. Because they know they're safe. Wow. That was a wonderful answer. <laughs> that was wonderful. Being seen, being known, and being heard. And I think um, Justice is a creative leader. I'm a creative leader, and you are as well. One of the most powerful things that stood out in your answer was to know how to be a teacher and a student at the same time. Um, when you lead, mm -hmm. you're not just leading yeah. from a place of I know, you're leading from the place of I want to learn. That's right. And That's staying right. consistent and being in that area is can be hard to do if we don't constantly lean into that humility. That's um, right. And I believe that you carry that. And one of the things that I'm curious about is in the place. It's funny. I was just actually watching something recently with Will Smith. And uh, I don't know if you've heard of Red Table Talk or anything, but it was a Father's okay. Day yes. uh, special that he was sharing. And he talked about how he decided in one of the movies, After Earth, he did After Earth with his son. And according to the box office, that movie failed. That movie tanked. But that was the first time Will decided to not be um, productive in the sense of um, in what we were talking about, where you're where you're creating for the simple ability to produce. But he decided to exactly enjoy that movie creation with his son. Since Will was doing that movie with his son, instead of making it a process of I want to do a hit film, he was saying, I want to connect with my son. And that was the difference. But he was saying once he did that, once he decided to be free, to, to let his son be known, seen, and heard, the movie actually failed. And so here's my question for you, is in that place of saying, okay, I'm going to go ahead and let pe ask the right questions and let people feel seen. Well, how does the art become excellent in that? Because for Will Smith, he became frustrated in allowing himself to be like that because that movie failed. And so I was listening to you and I was like, that's why I brought you on is because I know you carry that heart for people who struggle with mental health issues, but I also know you used to be a dancer. And so for those who aren't necessarily a part of your recovery program and they're just artists trying to navigate the world of artistry, trying to be a professional artist, how do they balance 
I want to be free and well with, I want to make excellent art. How does that happen? That's my question for you. You know, that, that you do have to have a balance there. And as a dancer that studied all my life to be a dancer, I went to Florida State University. I studied, I studied, I studied. I studied with the best ballet, ballet teachers. Um, and it was when I got to the place of my recovery, I began to dance. I began to dance from my soul. And I never forget going to Utah, Salt Lake City, and there was a girl that danced right ahead of me. I danced with a uh, group called um, Basic, Brothers and Sisters in Christ, and there was 100 voices. And this young lady was a ballerina. She was fabulous. She danced to Amazing Grace. And she, she was on point. She was just impeccable, impeccable. And at the time, I had Bell's Palsley, and I was overweight, and I was early in recovery. And when the choir began to sing, I took that moment to just transcend people, places, and things because my sobriety and my life depended on it. And they began to sing the song, and I could feel every voice coming through my physical body. And that was a moment, at that time I had Bell's palsy, and I was just saying, God, just heal my body. And I danced from a different place. I was dancing for my healing. I was dancing for my life. And at the end of it, it was just a, a roaring standing ovation. And she came backstage and she said, I don't know, I, who are you? you? You know, you didn't point your feet and you didn't do this, but you just, you just really, you just wowed the whole audience. Mm. And I said, you know, because I came from a place of my heart. I didn't come to please anybody, but God and where I was in my life. And when we're that authentic, when we're that authentic, we create the best pieces. When you come from a place of authenticity, with the skill on top of it, or below it, or wrapped around it, then you cannot go wrong. And so although the movie didn't do what, it, what, you know, what they wanted it to do, he got his son. Mm. He was able to pour into another human being that when he is dead and gone, will continue to run with the legacy. And he may create art that's way better than Will Smith will ever do because of that moment that he had with him. Mm. And so art is just not about what people perceive from what we do. But it's also to help people be the best that they could be. Mm. So as an artist, if you come from an authentic place every single time, and you get away from being perfect, 
you will crank out the best art. Case in point. Um, a friend of mine, one of our artists, heard about Aubrey, Ahmad, Ahmad Aubrey, and is from Brunswick. And he got so angry, he went to the computer and he created this logo. Long story short, it ended up in the New York Times. He couldn't believe it. It came from a place of anger. He took his creativity to share it. And now he's sold 6,000 T-shirts, and he's going to go and give the family $5,000 for this case. Wow. It came from a moment of anger. What do I do with this anger? Mm. Not, I'm going to create something, and I'm going to sell these T-shirts. He just sat down, and the next thing he know, he looked up, and the New York Times had his logo. Mm. And I'm telling you, he still comes to the center now and still cranks out those T-shirts and, and sends them all across the United States of America. It happened mm. overnight. Wow. Wow. That's, that's amazing. When you start getting into competition, when you start getting into striving, you are below the line. You're in survivor mode. You don't see the good. All you see is what you're going to get out of it. But when you're above the line, you're learning, you're collaborating, you're thriving, you're inspired. And you can never go wrong with that. Yeah. Never. It reminds me of the paradigm of uh, making from a place that assumes scarcity or making from a place that assumes abundance. That's right. Yeah. And then otherwise, you know, you just, what, do, what are we cranking out? And I think, and I'm so, I don't like COVID, but I think this is a time for us to just sit down and stop. Mm. Because I have seen some dancing and some art, and I'm just like, that is not even music. That is not even music, y'all. <laughs> you know, that's not, those are tricks. That's not dance. Mm. And when I look at Alvin Ailey dancers now and, 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 and the old dancers, like the younger dancers have this beautiful body and they can jump high and they can, they can, ooh, they can do all these fabulous things. But the older dancers caught the essence of, of what Alvin Ailey really wanted to share with the world mm. through revelations. Mm. And it's the essence, it's the essence of a thing that our community needs. It's mm. the essence of it. Oh, that gave me chill bumps. Woo, the hair stood on the back of my head. Oh, that made me cry. You know, those moments move us to a place of healing and deep thought, thus changing the paradigm of our thinking. And art has always done this over, over time. Art has always been that thing to shift the paradigm in our culture, the jazz era, you know. Now we're in the industrial age. And so the question is, okay, so now we're on Zoom and, and, and we're not really interacting, but how can we use this to even go to another level? That's a whole other level of concentration. That's a whole other level of contemplation. When we did the virtual art exhibit, 
it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal because the artists shared their work, but mostly talked about the process and every process was different. And everybody walked away from that just speechless. We had mm. a photographer and she shared and, and painters and different kinds of art and modalities. But with that story behind it was what was which was more inspirational than the final product. Mm. So in other words, I didn't go in a gallery and just look at the picture and make my own assumptions. I understood the person behind it and the story behind it and the human being behind that. So I looked at it differently and mm. I was inspired. So I hope that answered the question. How do you think, or why do you think art has that ability to shift paradigm? Cause that's incredibly powerful. Um, and so few things can shift paradigms. Um, you know, you can argue or debate or even bring up proof. Like you wouldn't believe the debates I've seen about what people, how in pe people interpret the same video. You know what I mean? It's like, what do you need in order to come to the same conclusion? Shifting paradigm is so difficult and uh, incredibly powerful. What is it about art that gives it that capability? Well, I think it's because it's not about you convincing me of anything. When you surpass the brain and you go into the heart and the heart has to process it, hmm. then it comes from a different thought process. In other words, <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to say this. You know, with this whole culture, uh, whole thing that we're going through with this racism, okay, mm -hmm. it's been going on for years and years and years and years and years. But that last time when George Floyd, we watched, we saw, that, that, that took a whole nother, it, it, I don't care what color you were, it took a whole, it shifted everything. Mm -hmm. Because it touched our hearts. We mm -hmm. actually experienced that. That's the word I want. Mm -hmm. Experienced it. And I like to say that whenever you come to a RISE presentation, it's an experience. And when you experience something, it's going to change the way you look at things. If, if you experience um, uh, something horrible, it's going to change your life. If you experience something wonderful, if you climb the top of that mountain and you get to the very top of that mountain and you're looking out over the world, you will never be the same. Mm. It's the same way with a piece of work that speaks to the heart of the matter, that speaks to the heart and the climate of community and society. Mm. It makes you say, hmm. It shifts the paradigm. Yeah. It may not do it immediately, but over and over again, as we experience it, mm. it shifts the thinking. Yeah. The, one of the big differences about art and just 
you know, words or teaching, you know, being didactic or, or um, uh, propositional is art engages your body. And you talk about it engaging your heart, but I, in a lot of ways, it kind of means the same thing. You feel it. You, like you said, you experience it, right? Because if you just live in the realm of your head and thinking, you know, you can um, think in circles around yourself or, or justify anything. You, you know, you can, but with an experience in art, that music is sound waves you feel with your body. It is an entirely different way of knowing. And like you said, it's actually an experience. It's a physical experience. You feel it. And I don't mean you feel it emotionally, even though obviously that's the case, but you literally, with your body, you feel it. You see it, you know? That's right. I don't mean to cut you off, but I was watching the babies, watching a documentary on Netflix about babies. I have a grandbaby. And they were talking about how babies can learn language. And when they did one flashing light and did one sound, the baby would look. And then another sound, and the baby would look. So mm. the baby is listening to the sound, not necessarily the word. And then later on, associates the word with the sound. Now, after repetition, is beginning to change, beginning to speak the words. Mm. Now it understands that because of this experience I'm having, now, if I want this sound, I look this way. And so... Because of the experiences babies learn, mm. we, don't, we don't ever step out of that baby body. We just get bigger. <laughs> <laughs> That's all, you know? So it's about continually, continuously having these experiences that help us grow, that change our paradigm, that take us to a new level. If I was always a dancer, I wouldn't have pieces of art that I've sold or hanging in my home. I wouldn't have poetry that I could share at the drop of a dime. I wouldn't have songs that I could sing to make me feel better. Mm. I didn't allow myself to have these different experiences. I had to be open to it. I had a very good friend of mine that, that did a lot of work with us who lives with schizophrenia and art is the only way that he can calm the voices down. And watching him create and watching him maintain his wellness that way really inspired me because I got a chance to experience that. And as a result of that, I'm an artist, not just a dancer. So I just mm. wanted to integrate that. You know what? Something I'm pulling from that is not only I talked about in the beginning how you're a leader and how you're facilitating those healing moments. But as I'm listening to you speak, I'm recognizing that when they come when different people come to your gatherings, artists come, whether they have a mental health issue or a substance abuse issue or whatever it may be, you're actually gaining wisdom from their stories. It's a, it's a it's two way. It's a two way process. Always. Not only are you leading, but you're gaining. And so something I believe that's so powerful that the church and even not just the church, but we can do as a society better is I do not personally like how we don't value people and we stigmatize mental health issues. Cause you just talked about schizophrenia and different things. And I notice sometimes that we stigmatize things. We put people in a box and we limit their ability to be all that they can be. And what you're doing, I feel like is the opposite is you are saying, I value you. 
And I want to bring you into this process to experience everything that you can become. And I just think the essence, like you talked about, essence of that is extremely powerful because I do think sometimes in the church, we have an issue with casting people aside who have those particular mental health challenges instead of embracing them, instead of walking with them hand in hand and actually getting to know them and asking the right questions like you talked about, we just judge and we criticize and we don't take the time to learn. And I just, as you're talking, it's like one of the main questions I have for you is how can the church and how can society do better in being like you're being, whether you're an artist or not, I think what you're doing is deeper than just art right now. I know we're talking about art, but I believe that in our society, we don't value people and even believe sometimes that people who struggle with mental health challenges have something to add to the table or add to the conversation. And that's the part I'm really hitting on right now is not only do we cast people aside who have mental health challenges, but sometimes we don't even think they have anything to add to the table. When in reality, when I came to your production, they had so much to add. There was painting, there was singing, there was acting, there was, there was all this stuff that they were liberating themselves through. And I was like, wow, this is phenomenal. And so how can the church and how can society do better in not stigmatizing people with mental health challenges and actually pushing them forward and realizing that they do have value to add to the conversation? I think that, you know, one of the things that I had to learn, Cynthia, is, you know, kind, love is, does not make a record of wrong. Love is open. You know, first, the church needs to understand Corinthians uh, 1, 1 Corinthians 13, really what really love is. It's not about a feeling. It's about the way we um, engage with people and give people the opportunity to be themselves. And a lot of times what keeps people in the dark is the fact that they're afraid of what they don't know. And when you love a person from, from a godly perspective or from a human being perspective, you love people not by what you think they are, but by who they are. And that means you have to be open enough to hear, ask the right questions, like you said. And the only way you can really know a person is if you get in relationship with them. Now, relationship is just not like, now I'm not talking about like man and woman, but how do we build relationships? Relationships are bridges. They're not walls. And it's just as simple as who are you and being, being really genuinely curious about a person and where are you from? And I think that, and what is your story? Not where are you from? What is your story? Everybody has a story. Right. And I think that I, I, I really have, I am blessed with a gift to be able to look for the uniqueness in every human being. You know, I, I'm even looking at you now, I'm thinking, wow, what does that say behind her? And I love the color and I'm just looking at the hat and how it pops and <laughs> wow. And she's really confident, you know, and, and, and that's what's going, that's the conversation that's going on in my mind. And looking at the way justice is sitting there thinking and contemplating and really thinking about his community and really pushing forth and trying to create a space for his community. And 
really looking at both of you all and seeing the beauty that God has put in you. When you start looking at people for the beauty that, that we see in each other, everybody has something beautiful about them. I can't look at you like I'm looking at myself. Now I start judging. Mm. But if I just look at you for who you are, you know, I can glean, you know, because I'm sitting here thinking, do I have a cute little hat like that that maybe I could wear? And <laughs> that's, that's kind of cute, you know? You know, and then I'm looking at Justice and I'm thinking, hmm, I like that. I like the way he is doing the podcast and really thinking about his community. And I even see you, Justice bringing a group of artists together and creating that space where people are able to just really be authentic mm -hmm. and you're digging for those answers and really, really creating a, a, a new paradigm for artists in your world, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. how to, approaching people from that perspective, as opposed to putting a label on everybody. I hope I answered that question right, but that's how I think about things. Wow. In simple terms, I'll say it's focusing on what's right with people versus focusing right. on what's wrong with people. That's right. That's yeah. right. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Hey. That's so it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. But see, yeah. you're a wordsmith. So you know how to gather the words <laughs> and then break it down and give me back. You listen. So I know mm -hmm. that you're a good listener because that's one of the, uh, that's one of the things that help people be more vulnerable when you could say what they said and give it back to them. And they say, yes, you heard me. You heard yeah. me. You see me. Yeah. 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 So that's powerful. I like that though. That's why I, I said that back is because I really believe in that because I struggle with that sometimes, especially as a artist who criticizes her own work. So mm. yeah. Mm -hmm. So powerful, powerful. Yeah. Yeah. That's why important. it's really important for artists to have spaces where they could really get that kind of stuff out, mm -hmm. you know, yes. because that, that could really hinder your creativity. You know, thus here we go into artist block and I'm not feeling creative and, you know, well, what does that mean? You know, you are who you are, you know, but when you start criticizing and, and getting into perfection and building walls, then you're getting out of who you really really are, are called to be um, mm -hmm. and you can't really reach the height of where you could go thinking like that you know rise stands for we embrace our recovery we are restored we are inspired we're supported we know how to support we are empowered and we are evolving as we rise now that's a lot but each one of those words point to me being the best that I could be while I'm helping you become the best that you could be. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, we should probably start wrapping up, unfortunately, because we've, we've hit our, our mark for, for being about on time, but uh, I'd love to know if there's a song that makes sense to end the podcast with. Um, I don't know if there's something that, that you've created or that you're aware of from your community, but we love to end the podcast with music. And if there's something that encapsulates what we've been talking about that we can leave our, our, our audience with to listen to, kind of to cap off this conversation, I'd love to be able to include it here at the end. Um, well, what we've been listening to at Rise is, is that song, uh, A Lovely Day. Mm -hmm. I think Bill Withers sings that song. 
I, I don't mm. know why, but we've just been singing. It's a lovely day, you know. Mm. And I think it's really important for us to uh, maintain our hope mm-hmm. through these times, because hope is the light that's gonna that's gonna bring us bring us to the other end of this tunnel. All right. Well, I'm not sure if we can get permission to play that song, but I'm gonna try, and uh, and we'll see what comes of that. But thank you so much for joining us on this podcast and for sharing your perspective, for sharing uh, the wisdom that you've you know built up over the years of serving people in this capacity and your heart of service and care um, for artists. It's an inspiration, and it really encourages me to go back to the basics on. Um, how to care for people where they are and, and build a community where people can share their art, where people can, you know, receive the art. And um, it's just been wonderful to kind of go over those with you and get your perspective on all that. Thank you, Alexia. Thanks for, for Thank joining you. us. Appreciate <laughs> you. Glad to have you. Um, Thank you so great. much. Thank yeah. you for trusting me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks again. And I hope to see you soon. I'm sorry to say, dear listener, that we were not able to secure permission to play Lovely Day by Bill Withers. It is a really good song, and I recommend that you check it out on your streaming services or whatnot, because it does put you in a pretty good mood. But with that in mind, I realize that we're coming to the end of this uh, trilogy with uh, Cynthia Giles. She's been really great, and I hope you've enjoyed these episodes. A lot of really powerful stories, and a lot of very interesting people. And um, usually at the end of a series or something like that, we'll play the full version of our intro track. So this is Dance Highs and Lows by Civilized Creature off that record, uh, Steadfast. And I picked this song for the podcast in the first place because it always makes me feel really good. So I hope you enjoy it and I hope you have a lovely day.